0: In Genesis chapter 32, the Bible gives us quite a bit of insight into the life of Jacob. And so any person in the Bible that is highlighted what there is a rather detailed narrative of their life is because we're supposed to learn from them. So Jacob is someone we learn from. And there's so much truth about uh, to be drawn from his story, his life. But here we are in Genesis 32. Verse 24, Jacob was left alone. And a man is a capital in translations because it was an angel or a theophany. It was most likely an angel. Hosea said it was an angel. An angel wrestled with him until the breaking of the day, until the dawn. Now when the angel saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the angel said, let me go for the day breaks. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So the angel said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. The angel said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. I won't let go until you bless me. Father, I thank you for your word, and thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you're here. This is your church. Pastor your people, speak to your people. Anoint your servant, your word, your people. Show the devil who's boss. Let revelation change our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I'm always drawn to to it as far as my interest my attention my observation is that jacob was left alone it's kind of a big deal because he has four wives and 12 kids or soon to be 12 kids so being alone in a family that size and then he would have dozens if not hundreds of servants he was a person rising in prominence in his 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 life blessing carrying the blessing of god and and now he's left alone and and that's what i touched on that for a minute Often the feeling of loneliness is God inviting us to spend time with him. You can be in a loving family or even a large crowd and still feel lonely. It doesn't mean you're with the wrong people. Instead, it's a divine invitation to be with your God. The longer we spend without fellowship with God, i.e. prayer, Bible reading, church attendance, etc. the stronger the pull on our spirit will be to connect with God. I, I, I think that's a big thing because we can often try to solve an issue by doing the wrong thing. We, 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 we think we need something. We're, we're feeling an emptiness, but really it's your spirit crying out for fellowship with God. And so every believer has that. Every believer has that ache inside of you. To spend time with God and worship and prayer and spend time with him and the devotion of scriptures and so when we do those things something inside of us is richly satisfied and and so God will allow us to have it's not a punishment to feel this kind of loneliness it's an invitation it's God saying I miss you I miss you come and so he's left alone and, and then the bible says An angel picks a fight with them. He wrestles with God. The angel representing the interest of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God for Jacob's life. So Jacob now is wrestling with God. And and so I just want to say this. For all of us as believers, change is our destiny, change is our necessity, but change is never easy. And so, like Jacob in this story, we wrestle with God until God fulfills the promise of Christ likeness in our story. And I just want to encourage you never stop wrestling with something you know God wants to change. Never accept it as a permanent part of your persona, your personality, your behavior, your attributes. If it's not from God, if you know it's not healthy or good or godly, then you wrestle with it and let God help you walk away from it. Jacob's wrestling with God because he's now a grown man, has a beautiful family, and yet he's still not in the identity that really is his purpose and calling. And the Bible says this one of my favorite scriptures in the New Testament is Romans twelve, and it says, "Does I beseech you, brothers, by the mercy of God that you?" present your bodies to God a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable to God. God wants our bodies to serve him, our physical bodies. So how God gets access to the controlled behavior of our bodies is in verse 2, and be not conformed Romans 12:2 to this world, cosmos arrangement of things. But be transformed, metamorphial a change of nature. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, so God says this, if you keep introducing my word into your soul, your life will start changing. So we change our behavior by changing our thoughts. And when we put our mind under submission to God's word, things start changing. I just want to encourage you every person in this church, in this room, can change. Every person listening, what you can change. And don't ever think, well, there's something I can't change. You know, well, everyone in my family is a hothead, or everyone in my family is a player. Everyone, yeah, so what? They're all that way because they think that way. You wrestle with God and say, no, I'm not going to be that way. And let God's word transform your mind. And when that does, it'll rock your world. It'll change everything about you. In Romans eight, there's just these great five great truths talking about our our the the eternal lens of salvation for us. And it says this for whom he foreknew, foreknowledge is a property of omniscience. So omniscience is God knowing everything. So who before knew that would be us. God knew you before you were born. In fact, let's say it like this. Before God made the universe, God saw you. He's all-knowing. And foreknowledge is perfect knowledge of the future. So God saw you. So whom he foreknow, he predestined. I have a destiny that was given to me before I had a life given to me. I'm predestined. What is my destiny? To be conformed to the image of the Son, that he, Christ Jesus, might be the firstborn of many brethren. And whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who in the heck can be against us? Now, here's my point we all share the ultimate, wonderful, predestined, high purpose of being like Jesus, being conformed to the image of the Son. And we never want to stop wrestling with issues of our life that are not yet conformed to Jesus. Can I have an amen from this Southern Baptist congregation? Yeah, yeah they're just a block away. They're just, thank you, Pastor. So, so Jacob's wrestling, and, and something unusual happens. The angel says, this guy is stubborn as a mule. And at, at dawn, so apparently, there's the suggestion here that angel, Angelica um. Change according to this, the rising of the sun. So, the angel says, "Hey, my shift's over. I, got, you know, God's not going to give me overtime. I got to get out of here." And, and so Jacob, was no, no, not so fast. And, and so when the angel saw that Jacob wasn't let go of, he he touched his hip and put it out of socket. Later on that day or evening, when Jacob came to his family, he was limping and laughing. They say, well, what's going on? What's going on, Poppy? What's going on, Daddy? What's going on, Hus- Husband? What's going on? He said, I am blessed. Yeah, yeah, I got some brokenness, but my blessing was worth the brokenness. And there was a heavenly blessing when we endure earthly brokenness because God, if we let him, will use it for something beautiful in our individual lives and story. And a part of the brokenness with Jacob, now Jacob, like I said, he's a strong-willed and his name means to be a deceiver, a manipulator, a heel grabber is the literal meaning. And so he was the twin son and his brother Esau was bigger, stronger and came out before him. And and when they brought out the firstborn, Esau, Jacob was holding his heel. And so they called him a heel grabber and so that but it wasn't a it wasn't a name that suggested godliness or promise it was a slight it was the recognition of negative characteristics in him and 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 so jacob sure enough lived down to that name he stole his brother's birthright he stole his brother's blessing he deceived his family and so he did a bunch of things that were really not righteous how he accomplished them and, and yet God, God called him, but now Joe, Jacob is midlife and, and God, God needs to work in him. And, and so God needed his ego to be broken until it was surrendered to God's will. Our pride, self-will, selfishness, rebellion, and ego must be broken until our will is surrendered to God's will. Until our ego is crucified. God doesn't take away our meaning, our significance, our identity, our individualism, but God takes away our rebellious independence from him, which is often seen by prideful actions according to a, a, a haughty ego. Jesus said, in Mark, Mark's description of Jesus feeding the 5,000, he feeds 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. Just amazing things. And... Uh, they, the disciples said, well, we don't have enough resources. Jesus said, show me what you got. They said, well, I got five loaves, two fish. God always begins with what you have, not with what you don't have. And so Jesus took what they, what they had, it, the Bible says when he took the bread, he broke it, and then he blessed it, and then he gave it, and then it multiplied. He broke it. What happened to the brokenness? Instead of feeding one boy, it fed 5,000 people probably 15,000 people 5,000 men it's amazing the power the powerful consequence of broken brokenness so so Jacob now so the angel said what exactly are we fighting about and Jacob said I'm not letting go of you until you bless me now that's my message I want you to get this <clears throat> Jacob was a mess Whenever you feel bad about yourself, just read him. He's a liar, deceiver. He's trying to do the right thing, but he does it the wrong way all through his life. It is, it is intense. His, even his family is pretty amazing. So he has all these things going on, and yet he's called by God. God knew all of that, you know, foreknowledge, omniscience. God knew all of that, incorporate that. God knew who you were when he called you. He wasn't afraid of the brokenness or the sinfulness or the pridefulness that was in us. He knew he could change us if we would allow it. And Jacob said, I refuse to live my life without your blessing. I won't let go until you bless me. Come on, I, I, I need you to get this because some of you feel like you're letting go of some stuff. But I declare God's going to bless your family. God's going to save your children. God's going to bless your marriage. God's going to bless your health. God's going to bless your business. I don't know what it is, but don't let go. I'm not letting go, Jacob said. I refuse to give up. And so here his nature as a contender, a fighter, really emerges in a positive light that he's he's prevailing in his relationship with God. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. And, and so that it... It moves then to kind of the the next level, and the angel says, well, tell me your name. The angel knew his name, but the angel needed, or God needed Jacob to acknowledge his incomplete or sinful or wrong label. My name is Jacob, this deceiver. And God says, I can't bless that. Oh, by the way, that was the wrong name in the first place. Your real name is Israel, Prince of God. Your real name is Prince with God. As Israel has this suggestion: he that wrestles with God and prevails, but, but it's really, I think the most commonly accepted title is a Prince of God. So, so here, comes, here comes the deceiver And by the time he wrestles with God and limps down the mountain, he shouts out, I'm a prince. I didn't know it my whole life. My parents cursed me with the wrong name. I've lived down to the identity that I was born with or that I was raised with or that others expected me. I've accepted the wrong identity, but my real identity, I'm a prince. I'm not a liar. I'm not a thief. I'm not a deceiver. I'm not a con man. I'm a prince. And God says, I can bless that. I can bless who you are in Jesus. Come on. I can, if any person is in Christ, he is there a new creation? All things passed away, all things been made new, all things from God. I can bless that. I can bless the mind of Christ. I can bless your transformed life and renewed mind. I can bless your obedience to my word. I can bless your prayers. I can bless you walking in love. I can bless you standing in faith. I can bless you praying and prevailing and not stopping. I can bless you here. Look at all the things I can bless, but I I can't bless that. Don't ask me to bless something that I didn't breathe life into. that's not who you are, you know, know, this whole thing is ultimately about identity. I'm going to tell you who you really are. You're a prince. You're a prince. The Bible is a book of identity, not just behavior. The way we see ourselves determines the way we see everything else. And so our lifelong wrestling is to make sure we're agreeing with God about who we are. I am who God says I am. You know, the, the, Jacob's not the first guy in the Bible who had a name change. Jesus called Simon Jonah a fisherman to follow him. Simon did, and Simon is just an amazing personality. He's outspoken, he's loud, he's outrageous. He's all in, he's, he, he hides nothing. And he's, he's, so, so, but he gets in trouble because sometimes he speaks before he thinks. And so Simon Bar-Jonah and and, and Jesus asked the disciples what they, who do men say that I the son of man? And, and, and they're all quiet. All of the educated, Matthew, college educated, Luke, a doctor, they're all quiet. And, and the fisherman who had a fifth grade education raised his head and said, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, whoa, oh, what do you know? The high school dropout got it. <laughs> Blessed are you, Stamian Barjoan, for flesh and blood that not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. I say you are Peter. Petrus, a rock. Everybody's thinking, that guy ain't a rock. He's the flakiest disciple we have. Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's who he is in the flesh. Hear who he is in the spirit. He's a rock who preached the first message on the day of Pentecost? Peter, who was the apostolic leader over Jerusalem, over all the church? Peter. Who wrote books of the Bible? Peter. Peter became what Jesus said he was. And, and when we receive from God, you don't need a name change. I'm not changing my name, you know, to, to you know, to, uh, I, I, there's certain names, I, I you know, I love the name Judah. Wouldn't be funny? Stop calling me Michael. Start calling me Judah. <laughs> well, you know, that, you can do that, but that's not what God's talking about. He's talking about changing the way you see yourself. You're a prince. You're a princess. You're royalty. But I love Jacob. Just so Jacob had this thing, I'm not letting go. Well, pastor, I prayed about it for six days. Oh, I'll pray about it for seven don't stop. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter seven, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find it. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and whoever knocks on the door, the door shall be opened to you. Jesus said the problem is people just give up before the door opens. Their prayers set in motion a change in their world, but often people get, they leave because their time expectation was not met. Don't let the devil steal your breakthrough. Hold on, I'm not letting go. Well, Pastor, I've been praying 20 years for my family. Pray 21 years. Don't let go. I'm Pastor, I'm believing for a godly spouse. Keep believing. Well, Pastor, I'm believing they God to help me in my business or heal my body. I'm proud of you. Keep standing, keep believing, hold on to him. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, he, he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then he so he, so he said, There's a judge who doesn't, he's not a godly guy, and there's a widow. So right away we have the the just position between someone as high as you can be in culture, and someone as low as you could be at that time in culture. And so the woman came making an appeal for vindication in her life. And the judge says, oh, Please, you're bothering me. Get out of my hair. But the Bible says this the woman wouldn't stop pursuing justice. And the Bible says, The, the judge finally said, Oh, this is driving me crazy. I don't, Jesus said the judge doesn't love God, care about God. He doesn't even care about the woman, but he was pestered. And her persistence, he said, Okay, lady, to get you to go away, I will give you what you've asked. And Jesus said, That's how you ought to pray. And, and we're not praying to an unjust God or unjust judge. But Jesus said, The problem is when people make petitions, they give up. They give up too easy. Jesus said, be like that widow who wouldn't take no for an answer. Come on. Stop letting the devil steal your breakthroughs because they haven't come according to your timeline or, or because you're discouraged because sometimes when you pray about someone, they, they start acting worse. You're like, holy smokes. You're like, well, I don't know. And the Lord said, well, that's okay. Just keep holding on. I'm not letting go till they're saved. I'm not letting go till they're right with God. I'm not letting go. That's the struggle. Well, Pastor, I'm having marital problems. I'm sorry. But in a marriage, God just needs one of the two to stand. The Bible says when a husband or wife prays for their spouse, it's as if the spouse prayed it because they're one flesh. Stand, stand, and hold on. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go, devil, no matter what you throw at me, no matter what lies you tell me, no matter what you try to do, I'm not letting go, I'm not letting go, I'm not. Isaiah 62, last scripture. I love this chapter. It is really, it is messianic, it's redemptive, and it's filled with revelation. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. What does that mean? I feel the burden of God for the unfinished business in the people of God, and now I'm praying for it. Yeah, I'm praying about it, not not just posting about how bad things are. Oh, the church is so messed up. I know we are, it's because you're here. <laughs> and I'm here. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as a brightness, her salvation is a lamp that burns. And so this is so prophetic because they... This is a promise of what could be after 70 years of captivity, destruction, slavery, and suffering. God says, I, I, I need someone to stand in the gap to pray, pray for things that are bad now, to, to, to stand in the gap and pray until they become what God wants them to become. And the next verse says, Gentiles are unsaved, uncovenant people will see your righteousness, kings, your glory. You shall be called by a new name. Hmm. Which will come out of the mouth of the Lord, you shall be called by a new name. Well, Pastor, what does it mean? It, it means he calls you forgiven, he calls you loved, he calls you delivered, he calls you blessed, he calls you redeemed. He calls calls you accepted. You'll be called by a new name. You shall no longer, you shall be a crown of glory, verse 3, in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem, a precious sparkling jewel in the hand of your God. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land be any more more be termed desolate, but you shall become Hepzibah and your land Beulah for the Lord delights you know, Hepzibah means delight and Beulah means married and your land and your land shall be married to God so the, the very opposite for all the people fighting rejection fighting some kind of uh, um, shattered self image fighting fighting abandonment fighting the pain of of the traumatic events of people failing or people falling or people dying or things. things. So so all the people that feel forsaken, all the people that feel, God says, I got a new name for you. I delight in you. I'm married to you. I delight in you. When's the last time you thought your life made God happy? Hmm. I'm not sure... I've ever thought that, Pastor. Well, start thinking it. It, My grandkids show up. All they got to do is show up, and I'm happy. I don't care if they're getting F's in school. Their dad does. I don't care. (laughs) None of them do. They're all smart. I'm just happy to see them, to love them. To share my affection for them. So, so God says I, I, I'm going to recircuit your identity understanding until you're in agreement with me. Because there's a problem, the Lord says, when you're when you're when you've adopted the wrong name. Jacob later on, a couple chapters away, he has his last child. Benjamin, but that was not his born given name. Jacob and Rachel are on journey. She's, have, she's an older woman and she's having a pretty intense labor. So they stop, you know, there would be a, a caravan, they stop. She's probably in a tent or some kind of protected environment. And a nurse or several nurses are taking care of her and and Jacob's probably pacing outside the tent or across the, you know, the room nervously. And, and the, 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 the nurse comes to Jacob and said, God's given you your 12th son. And Jacob holds this baby. Now his wives had, had named all 11 sons up to this boy. All 11 given names by their mothers. And the nurse says... The the bad thing is your wife died. Can you imagine the intensity. This is the great love of his life. His, his great love dies, but God gives him a miracle son that his wife contended for. And <clears throat> Jake and the nurse says, Your wife called him Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. She might as well have just said, my son killed me. The son that killed me. Rachel's a wonderful woman, a godly one. but you can have so much pain that your pain overtakes your faith, your reason, and your love. And you do things out of pain that you would never do normally. You you see, some of you carrying the pain of another generation, God's just ready to set you free. Ready to set you free. And Jacob says, see, he's already been through this event, where God says your name is Israel. Jacob said, I know what it's like to have the wrong name. I know what it's like to be cursed by my negative qualities being exalted and my positive qualities and my prophetic destiny being hidden. I'm not going to let him carry the lifelong burden of his mother's pain. His name will not be Benoni. His name will be Benjamin, son of my right hand, my closest son. And when you read the story, he had great affection for Benjamin, the son of his old age. It really was a beautiful story. And God wants to tell you, I, no matter what happened with your parents or with your life or with abuse or neglect or abandonment or rejection or sorrow or, or even maybe just a way inside of you you've never been happy or satisfied. You've never been content. You've never really really embraced who God's made you to be. It, 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 it's tough to receive God's love when you hate yourself. So Jacob says, no, he's going to be my right-hand man. And God says, I got a new name, I got a new name for you, I got a new name for you, I love it when God takes a man who is violent or angry and so transforms him in front of his whole family that he becomes a different person with a new name. My grandchildren only know a happy grandpa, a happy poppy. Poppy is my name. Mary and I, because we became grandparents like at 44, whatever. we looked at each we're too young to be grandpa and grandma. No way. I'm poppy, you be nana. So she's nana. Now it doesn't matter. And my, but my grandkids only know a happy person because Jesus changed me. I once fought and faced a life-threatening depression. Jesus healed me. He helped me climb out of the pit of despair. He renewed my spirit. He healed my heart. I don't carry it anymore. I, I, my mind remembers it. My heart has forgotten it. That's what God can do. I don't know what your story is. I just know how great God is. <clears throat> Turn to someone and say, I'm not letting go until God blesses me. Thank you for listening to me today. Would you please stand to your feet?